Hello and welcome to season two, episode four. My name is David Sinclair. I'm a part of the Armago family. And with Mark being unwell at the moment, it is my honor to introduce our next guest on the Armago podcast. In last week's episode, we heard from Mark Beaumont, the fastest ever man to cycle around the world. The answer to his two truths, one lie is that Mark was not in the Air Cadets and has never been skydiving. In this week's episode, we will be hearing from an up-and-coming Scarlet's rugby player, Carwin Tupolotu. At 18 years of age and 125 kilograms, Carwin comes from a Tongan rugby dynasty. That includes his cousin Welsh internationalist, Toby Faltar, as well as the Vunapola brothers. It looks like Carwin's rugby career is just getting started. Without further ado, I'm going to pass it back over to Mark. Hi, Carmen. Thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Um, really excited to be chatting to you. Uh, you're obviously an up-and-coming rugby player. Um, so I'm interested to know why you've chosen to go down the route of trying to get into professional rugby. Oh, all right, Mark. Um, I've chosen to go into professional rugby because I was inspired by my cousins, um, the Bunny Polo Brothers and uh, Talupi Falatau. And I just saw how much fun they were having and uh, how much the family were really proud of them. And I just thought, if they can do it, then why can't I? Um, but yeah, it was around about when I was 16, playing for Wales under-18s. And I just thought to myself, I, I might as well just give this a crack and Go try for it, yeah. professional. Exactly, yeah. That's absolutely brilliant, because your dad obviously played for Tonga uh, as well. Has, has that been a really big impact for you growing up? Yes, I think it's been a really big impact um, ever since I started playing rugby. Um, he's always encouraged me to do extras outside of training sessions um, for school or wherever it be for New Brighton, my local club. And he's also my biggest critic. And he normally gives me like a pre-match prep talk. Yeah. Just to like um, talk to me and give me advice and tips. And so, so what sort of things does he say to you? Uh, he normally just uh, sees me as a ball carrier. So he just wants me to try and bring that physicality into the games or whatever and playing, try and get the ball as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. After a game, if you've not had such a good game, will he, uh, will he be quite sympathetic? Will he be quite critical? Uh, he'll be very uh, critical. Like if I, really? if I play um, not as well as I would help, hope to be, then um, I would know about it because he, he would give me a lecture after the game and, that's that's how it goes, really. Yeah. <laughs> if any boys um, relate to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. And your cousins as well, obviously, been a big impact for you. Um, do you, have you like how close with you with were you with them when you were growing up? Did you used to play a lot of rugby with them, or was it just kind of they were a bit in the distance? Um, they were a bit of both, really. Uh, when I was younger, well, like as as a baby, they were pretty much my babysitters growing up. Yeah. So, um, and then as soon as we started growing up, they were. They were a bit distant, like I think they were always off to uh, private schools or, you know, always at rugby and stuff. So I didn't, as, as I got older, I didn't get to see them as much, obviously because they were busy uh, playing rugby. Sure. But yeah, um, whenever I got the time, they would always like um, tra- train us, like me and my other cousins. Yeah. It, it was just like really nice to spend that time with them. I bet. It was very rare, like to see them, but... Yeah, and do, they, do they speak too much about your rugby now? Obviously, things are starting to go from kind of schoolboy level to beca- starting to become pretty professional. 
Uh, and do they kind of give you like little tips, little bits of advice here and there? Uh, yeah, so I don't really see Mako and Billy that often. Um, but normally I see Toby and his family, obviously, because we're close to Wales. And he normally gives me like um, tips on like positional stuff because we're both in the same number eight position. So he's always um, open to giving me help, helpful tips. Yeah. But very good. <clears throat> and so right, I'm really interested to know where you are planning on taking your rugby. You know, obviously Wales scouts you out for under 18s. Uh, you're now playing for Scarlets as well. Um, you, your brothers have played for, your, sorry, your cousins have played for England. They've played for Wales. Your dad's played for Tonga. You know, where do you want to take your rugby? Well, I have a few goals in the targets that I've set myself for my career so far, um, written in my uh, diary. Oh, uh, well, notebook. Okay. And I think I just plan to hopefully uh, cement my place in the Scarlet's first team. Yeah. Uh, whilst also trying to get some Welsh caps in there. Um, but also, it's just like, it's a real benefit to be training at the Scarlet's first team um, like right now because I'm learning off like experienced players in my position like Sione Kalamfoni and Uzir Kazim and it's just yeah really really good um, so I can learn off them and just so they can help me and yeah um, try try reach those goals you know what I mean sure yeah and in the long run are you planning to go and try and play for Wales uh, yes uh, hopefully that's the that's the dream that's the dream yeah that's it as number eight? Um, well, hopefully. But if I get the chance, I'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you see like over the next few years being some of the, the biggest challenges to get into where you want to be in, with Wales? I think the um, biggest challenge would be keeping myself injury-free. Definitely. Um, because recently I had a knee injury this time last year. Okay. And I just feel like they're obviously part and parcel of a rugby player's career. And I just feel like I need to keep on top of that, like rehab-wise and um, also like competition as well. Just trying to see how other players are playing and their approach to the game and just trying to learn off them. Yeah. Those more experienced players. So like Faletau, and as he's the top number eight in Wales and just learning off him and what he does best. Sure. I think that's the challenges that will be set um, in the future for me. And the sort of guys that you're up against at the moment, what are the things that you're trying to do to try and just be one up, one better than them so that you can get get into the positions that everyone's going to be vying for? Normally, I just I just um, do the things that I'm good at. That's yeah. it. Like, um, if I'm good at ball carrying, which I think that's, that's my um, best thing, I'll just look to carry the ball more and just, um, yeah, that's, that's what the coaches want from me. And uh, that's what I think might uh, get one up on them, the other other players in my position, and also just asking them like what they do well and how I can compare it to myself, my my own performance. Yeah, yeah, but that that's what I think. Now, one of the things with going to become a professional rugby player, uh, and I discussed with this Zander Ferguson as well, he had on recently, was uh, trying to balance rugby with your kind of other areas of life. Now, obviously, you're at university at the moment. Um, so you've got to balance your rugby with that. Um, is, is that pretty difficult for you at the moment? Um, I wouldn't say it's uh, too difficult because this is something I've practiced at Seba School and ever since I was young, because normally I'd have to juggle all those studies um, with the lessons I might have missed playing games. So like, yeah, I think with uni stuff, there's a lot of um, lectures during the week and yeah. that's 
normally takes place when I'm training. So I'd always have to find myself catching up around the areas where I'm, I'm free. And I think it's, it's not too bad. It's, um, I'm used to it. So just on my behalf to be diligent and um, proactive in order to catch up. But yeah, that's it really. Just I, I, if you start, you know, pursuing going down under 20s for Wales and then eventually starting to try and play for Wales as well, at what stage do you think you'd have to sacrifice your university studies? I feel like as soon as my rugby advances, when I'm getting more busier, I feel like I might have to talk to the uni, university and yeah. see if I can take a part-time degree. I mean, I've already discussed it with some of the uh, scholarship people there at Swansea Uni. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Just uh, looking at the options really um, in the sure. future. And do you think they'll be quite open to that? I, I feel like they will be very supportive, always giving me um, time to be there, just support me really. That's brilliant. And okay, um, so you are, you're 18 at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you've clearly got a huge amount of potential. Would you say to people out there at the moment that there's like one key thing that makes you unique and will make you stand out um, in the future? Okay, um, I think what makes me unique is that uh, while well, the boys say I make uh, special noises on the pitch, <laughs> <laughs> like grunts, and in the last game that just went on for the Scarlet A team, yeah, it sounded like Batman. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's just the mental thing for me yeah. to psych me up. And the boys, they don't really care as long as it works for me. Mm. And but also. Um, I see myself as a, phys a physical player, someone who just likes the ball carry and be contact up front. Yeah, that's that's it really. And speaking on the mental kind of side of things, do you um, what do you do to prepare before the games? Do you have a certain strategy that you follow? Uh yeah. So my pre-match day routine normally goes as obviously I have breakfast and stuff and just get me right nutritionally, but mentally. Before the game, I like to say a prayer because I'm very religious. Yeah. And I always choose a Bible verse. And I, f I feel that uplifts me. It, really, it encouraged me. Yeah, so mentally, I feel like stronger, if you know what I mean, in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not afraid of the yeah. the game. There's, yeah. like, the pre-match nerves are, like, calm, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And is that, do you literally get that just from reading, you know, a verse in the Bible? Yeah, so like my family, they taught me to be like, um, become very strong in my religion, in my faith. I feel like after saying a prayer, it just reassures me. I think that's the word I'm trying to say. I just feel like I have no fear going into the game. Just yeah. got to do my job and play how I want to play, really. Because, you know, um, you're clearly, your, your family is clearly very religious. Um, do you almost feel like kind of God's watching over you as you're playing? Yeah, I feel like... Um, Every time I step on the pitch, that it's almost like God's giving me strength and like a as a shield of protection, mm. uh, in a sense. And if I think that way, then I just feel like nothing could stop me. If you know what I mean, that that kind of mindset for sure. Yeah. yeah. If you have if you have a day where you know you don't play so well, do you do you feel like the religion steps in and you feel like something hasn't quite gone right there or? I feel like if, if I haven't played so well in that game, it just wasn't meant to be. But obviously, I just got to look at the positives there on mm. how I could improve in the next game or in the next performance I put in. So say if um, one game I, I didn't carry as much ball, I'd look into that next game and just say, I need to carry that many 
um, balls into the game and just see, you know, just improvements, really. Do you spend time after the game kind of analysing your own performance and seeing and writing down things you could do better? Yeah. Um, I do, like, a weekly self-review. Okay. I normally send it to one of the forest coaches. Yeah. Um, just so I'm analysing the game and just um, seeing seeing which areas I can improve on, really. Mm. And I feel that that's um, what more players should do nowadays. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's very good, very good approach to how you should, um, yeah, analyze really. Do you do you get much uh, kind of video footage? Because obviously, video footage is becoming quite a big thing now for being able to see and analyze your own play. Do you get to see quite a bit of that from the coaches? Oh uh, yeah. So normally uh, Mondays when we uh, go into training, um, we normally have time to sit down with the coaches, and they'd normally um, give us clips, and we we would like. Um, basically give our own like comments into that and what we did there and how how we felt and stuff and what what could improve be improved next time yeah and i think i think that's very good from the coaches as well for sure it's a very good initiative to like sit down and look at look at what we what could be done next time mm. but yeah it's very yeah do, do you find you must get quite a bit of um, advice coming through from your coaches. Your dad must also give you bits of advice here and there. Do you ever find there's any kind of conflict between the two? I feel like um, sometimes there's a little bit of conflict, but normally I find the balance by writing it all down in my notepad. Okay. Into one page, putting the advice by my dad into one side. Yeah. The advice by my coaches into one side as okay. well. And just putting it all together and just relates to each other, if you know what I mean. Okay. But yeah. Are there times where it's kind of, you know, you've got one thing that your dad's saying and the coach is saying the complete opposite? Yeah, there there has been times like that. But um, normally I just go with the, what the coaches say. I just trust what the coaches are saying. Yeah. But also just taking into into my mind what dad's saying as well. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because my dad's just been been through it, so yeah. You know what he's talking about. But would would you say though? Because your dad went through, you know, he played in the World Cup nineteen ninety nine. Um, would you say that rugby's changed quite a lot since the time that he played? Yeah, I think rugby's changed um, a lot, definitely. Because I remember during lockdown, I was watching one of my dad's games for Tonga, and it, it was it was it was almost funny watching it because you could see like half of the players trying to rip um, the opposition's heads off and like. <laughs> And obviously the scrums are way much different now. And I think um, the game's definitely developed since then. Like mm. much faster and physical and everyone's getting stronger. So it's it's more of um, a tactical game now, as yeah. many people say. Now I imagine you must watch quite a bit of um, professional rugby and you like to see it all on TV and all that. Um, would you say of the players that you kind of see and look up to, uh, would you say there's something that makes some of those players exceptional? Would you say there's like one thing that makes them stand out? I think uh, obviously from training throughout the summer, I've been very fortunate to train with and learn off internationals at the club. Yeah. Just um, such as Ken Owens, Lee Halfpenny, uh, Jonathan Davis. And obviously I've seen um, in training what an exceptional player looks like. But from my perspective, I think uh exceptional rugby player would be someone who has a positive attitude, does the simple things well, just nails his roles, but also helps like other players to improve their game as well as their own. And I think that's um, a really great thing at the Scarlets. And that's that's what they try, try and em emphasise. 
Because sure. everyone's willing to help each other. And there's no egos as well. So, for example, um, Sione Colomfoni, he's like the starting number eight. Yeah. yeah. He's always open to like, well, willing to help me mm. after training sessions in order to like improve my game. And he is a, a threat then coming in to take his place. Uh, I, I wouldn't see it as that. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, it's, we're all good mates, so we don't really see each other as threats. I don't, I don't. No, no, it's all just trying to support, support each other. Exactly, just trying to help each other and improve each other's performance. For yeah. sure, yeah. Are you set on the Scarlets or do you plan to play in some other clubs as well? I think I'm pretty much set on the Scarlets right now. Okay. Um, they've done a really good job for me at the Scarlets Academy. And I think it's very encouraging that me and a lot um, other players are looking at those players who've gone through the system and played for um, Wales and the Lions, mm. such as like Will Liam Williams and um, Josh Adams, all those yeah. big names. They've done a really good job for me so far. So I'm pretty much set on the Scarlets. Brilliant. <laughs> no, it's do- it certainly does sound like a fan- fantastic club to be part of. Um, and getting to where you've been now, um, you mentioned that you, you know, at Sedbury, you're encouraged to balance your sport and your academic side of things. Would you say you've had to make any particular sacrifices at this stage? Yes, I think I've had to make a few sacrifices to get where I am today. I had to sacrifice a lot of time with friends at school because normally I'd do extras and uh, running sessions and training by myself. Yeah. And also, I'd have to sacrifice time with family as well. Quite hard to do in order for me to train and train at Scarlets and stuff and play games of rugby. And, mm. um, also sacrifice some Sundays because normally um, as a family we'd go to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But yeah, normally sacrifice um, going to church, which is quite important. Yeah. But, there's a lot and of sacrifices to be. Uh, I, I'm sure, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, have your family been really supportive of that? Yeah, so my family, they just want the best for me, really. And yeah. whatever's, they always have my best interest at heart and what whatever's best for me, really, they just go with it and fully support it. Mm. Like, Brilliant. Like, um, when I was uh, signing for the Scarlets, uh, my family, they, um, they were really supportive of me and they wanted to, all of them wanted to move down. And yeah, it was just a necessary sacrifice, really. Um, That's great that they've been so supportive. Um, And, you know, playing for under-18 Wales, part of it is you have to get noticed. You've got to be seen by the different agents and all that. Have you been doing certain things off the field to try and ensure that you can get noticed by these sort of agents? I've had a few uh, agents trying to contact me since I was young, like 16, 15. But... um, Normally, I just rely on my father because he knows yeah. how to deal with this sort of stuff. Yeah. And he he normally just weighs out the, the pros and cons for this. Yeah. And like, w- what's the best option for me? Mm-hmm. And obviously, because he's been through it and he's an ex-pro, he, he knows what's the, the best thing in an agent and what can they do to support me and my family. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that I just normally um, trust my dad to make the decision as well as um, me getting a say in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of your dad, um, do you feel like you've got quite a bit of pressure with your dad having been really an exceptional rugby player, your cousin's been all exceptional rugby players as well. Do you feel that pressure on you to perform and do and become 
the same level as they are? Um, no, not really. No. Like, since I was young, he would never put any pressure on me to play well. Yeah. Or like, um, to go as far as I've done today, like in my position now. Um, but he would normally give like tips to me and advice, such as um, my cousins as well. But I think I've always just wanted to make him proud uh, just by doing my best. So normally I, I would put a little bit of pressure on myself now and then mm-hmm. just to try and achieve much higher than my dad has done in the uh, in his past career. As yeah. he's done like the foundation for me. And yeah, just just paved the way, um, the way for me to do any of this. So yeah. Brilliant. I put a little bit of pressure on myself. You do, yeah, yeah. I, I've no doubt your dad did as well um, growing up. Um, and finally, before we wrap things off with the two truths, one lie, um, what would you say have been some of your biggest challenges so far in getting to where you are now? Definitely one one challenge uh, was I was I was very relaxed um, two years ago, I think. In my approach to like training and playing, um, I thought because when I was young, like 16, playing for Wales under 18s, I thought I was like the big dog. But <laughs> when I was like um, going into first year of sixth form, yeah, that that's when I was. I just at the end of that season, I felt like I wasn't playing as as well as I could have, and like wasn't reaching my full potential, mm-hmm. and I felt like. That was because I was being like really relaxed and I wasn't, you know, um, working hard enough. And I think I, I just became complacent in a sense, in, in a way. And like, um, I just feel like that that was a big challenge for me to, to get to where I was today. Yeah. And one of the Scarlet's coaches, he recognised that in one preseason, I think. And we, we he just pulled me over and we had a chat and... Ever since that talk, it's just been, it's, it's really impact, impacted me. Like, and yeah, I've just tried to always become positive, whether it's training, just like day by day. My man, my mantra uh, right now is just um, to be content, but never satisfied. And yeah. I think that's, that's that helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. And just, just pushes me to always improve and yeah. always be open to working hard. But I think that's that's what um, should be generalised to all players, right? Um, sure, yeah. Yeah, to never be complacent, really. That's that's the challenge for me. Yeah, no, it's the only way to, to get really high up and, and become one of the best players, really. Um, yeah. So as we do with all these podcasts, going to wrap things off with two truths, one lie. Um, feel free to have a little think if you need to. Yeah, I might need a little think, actually. That's right. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go. All right. Um, I love Ben and Jerry's. Okay. Um, I hate fish. Okay. No. And uh, I hate scary films as well. There we go. Two truths, one lie from Carwin to Pilotti. We will be revealing which one is his lie at the start of next week's episode. Having just spoken to a player at the very beginning of their career, Next week, we will be hearing from a recently retired World Cup winning South African rugby internationalist. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode. We will be releasing episodes every Wednesday at 7pm. Do check us out on Instagram at armigo underscore UK, where you can find updates about the podcast and all things Armigo. Thanks again. Bye for now.